One of my favorite topics to talk about in business is financial transparency. And I could talk about financial transparency for hours and hours, but what is it and why financial transparency? How to get started? Who is involved? How do team members get or gain a financial acumen? I could have brought on an author to talk about this topic, but why not talk to probably the best company I've ever experienced in the past 22 years who is nailing it with financial and non-financial transparency in their business? And I'll tell you about my special guest in a minute. I'm Mark Gandy, and this is CFO Bookshelf. His name is Dr. Arlen Alboro. He's the CEO and co-founder of Orthopedic and Balance Therapy in rural Indiana, not far from Chicago, and he manages four physical therapy clinics. And he's been practicing financial transparency going on, I want to say, five years. And in this conversation, we talk about what financial transparency is, how to get started, and some other great benefits what I believe is a core value in a business. So here is my conversation with Dr. Arlen Albero. You know, one of my favorite topics, financial transparency. You know, I don't like the term open book management. I'll let you ask me later uh, if you can remember why I don't like that term, but I do like the term financial transparency much better. And you do it, and you do it very, very well. I think you do it fully. I think you do it completely. I think you do it very, very healthy. Or should I say healthily? Is, is that the proper adverb, healthily? But anyway, anyway, Arlen, what is financial transparency in your vocabulary, in your business? Well, first of all, Mark, um, you were so instrumental in, in helping me you know, um, implement this with, with my team. I was originally uh, introduced to this concept with everybody knows probably Jack Stack and, and the great game of business, right? And when I met you, I was pleasantly surprised that you have actually have actually have a close connection to that particular group. But financial transparency, to answer your question, is to me, it's it, it, it really just a reinforcement of, of one of our core values. So our core values at Orthopedic and Balanced Therapy is one of those is letter E, embrace open and honest relationship. And we believe in seeing that all the way through, all the way through our through our financials. And, and financial transparency is just being able to let every teammate see how the team is doing. Eventually, it shows up in the financials and it shows up how we're doing as a team and how each of all our different teams are doing them together as a whole. So to me, financial transparency is just living up to one of those core values, um, being able to be open and honest with, with everything that we do in the practice. And that is a great, great definition. And plus, you brought my name up. I would just say that you personalized it, and that's something I don't do. I think every business owner, here's the idea, here's the concept, now you go run with it. And I thought you did it very, very, 
very well. So you've already have answered kind of my second question, but let me articulate it. Why? You've already said it's part of your core values. So maybe I should ask you to expand. Why is financial transparency or may let's do this question. Why do you think financial transparency is important for any business? So that's my why question, but you can answer it that way instead if you prefer. No problem. To me, financial transparency or financials is the main scorecard. It, it, it's, it's the, the big board in, in a way, right? Obviously, there's a whole lot of other metrics that lead to that, operational metrics. And as you know, we have quite a bit of um, probably over 80, like I think you counted over 80, right? But it, it, is, it eventually leads to your financials. And since we're already very transparent with operational metrics, it just would make sense to also open our financials and let everyone see how those operational metrics that we track on a daily and weekly basis, on a monthly, quarterly basis, how it translates to the main big board, which is the financial. So really teammates are curious, okay, how are we doing? And I'm pretty sure we're gonna discuss that later on because part of being open and honest and being financially transparent is we want our teams to have kind of, um, you know, a part in when, when the team does well, we want them to have some, you know, some, some rewards for that. We do what we call a profit sharing plan. And so it's obvious that we got to show your financials so everybody can see how's our team doing relative to the big board and the big board for each of the, you know, we have four locations, we have four teams. So each of them are curious at the end of each quarter, how are we doing? In, in fact, we update them every month, but, um, you know, every quarter is the main financial huddle and, and they get to see. So that's the why. I mean, we're already showing everything and I'm pretty sure and pretty certain that's what we've heard, the feedback we've heard from our teammates is they love seeing how they are performing overall in the big board that I call the big board, the financial. This is going to be an opinion uh, answer. So I want to, I want to give it a try because I already have my strong opinions why a lot of owners are not transparent with their numbers. Do you want to take a stab at it? By the way, let's just let everyone know you are a coach of many other a physical therapist around the United States. And by the way, my opinion, I'm not going to let you rebut this. You could be a great business coach to any person of any industry anywhere around the globe. So I, just, I wanted to get that in there too, sneak that in. Thank you, Mark. But be, uh, I do. Yeah. But, but, but because you're a coach of other business owners, other PT owners, why in, you, why in your opinion do you think more people aren't more open to this. And you may come back and say, well, all of my clients are uh, transparent, but what, what is your, what's the why? Yeah, so um, I'm currently coaching three um, owners and through the years I've coached, you know, quite a few physical therapy owners. And um, I, I think their reservations were the same reservations I had before I started realizing that this is something that we really need to do. It's the ultimate expression, like I mentioned in the beginning of one of our core values. But 
back then when I when I look back, I was I was hesitant to be completely transparent with financial. It's the same thing I'm hearing right now from some of the owners that I that I've worked with is they're afraid of the perception, whether uh, on the good side or the bad side of the numbers are great, they're afraid their teammates might think that they're making a lot of money. And, or they, they're thinking that their teammates might say, oh, I'm not making enough, you should be paying me more, right? Or if the numbers are not where it needs to be, they're afraid that the teammates might think, oh, this company's not doing very well. Yes. <laughs> I better start looking for another another practice to join. So, and those are the same things that the, the um, reservations in my head. But at the end of the day, I think it boils down to if you have the right teammates, if if you hired and trained and retained and nurtured the right teammates in your practice, they would be they would embody your core values, open and honest, right? That's one of them. And um, they will see that, oh, okay, we're doing well because of all these things that we're doing. Or maybe we're not quite doing well. What do we need to do to improve the overall scoreboard, right? So if you have the right teammates, whether positive or whether the numbers are trending in the right direction or not, they would be there be fully understanding and willing to help and knowing, oh, wow, we need to do this. And to me, it's a whole lot easier to lead the team when they know how we're performing, how we're doing. And that's been my experience. So we've been doing this, what, this is our fifth year, I want to say. That sounds right. 19, 20, 21, 22. Fifth year, if you count 2020, which was obviously, I mean, a COVID year was, Right. Um, none of our teams made profit share that year. And and again, it's one of those things where they completely understand because once they see the numbers, oh, my goodness. Yeah. They probably didn't even need to see the numbers. But knowing that in, in 2020, we were we were impacted there for a quarter. Right. And um, but, yeah, so we've been doing it for five years and, and it's been very helpful for us. Very helpful especially with the changes in our industry. And it's one way to really relate how, how do we go about this as it shows up in our financials. There has to be a little bit of a teaching and an education process. You can't just bring everybody together in a room. It's like, okay, here are the numbers. Can you walk me through a little bit about, A, what is the teaching process, and B, about how long it took before people didn't have that glazed look in their eyes, like, what is this? What's he talking about? And, and that's what one of the, the one of my mistakes in the beginning, actually, Mark, when I started talking financials with, with our team. And um, yeah, you're, 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 as a business owner, you, you kind of deal with this pretty much all the time, at least on a weekly basis. So you, you have an understanding even if you didn't go to business school, let's say, it was on you to make sure you know how to read financials. And there are still a lot of owners out there who don't fully understand, you know, financial statements. Um, but when it comes to relaying all that information to your team, my initial mistake was I was a little too, how should I say, it? advanced for them, meaning I, I should have started from the very basics where, Right. 
And that's when I got to know you. And you were very helpful in that regard, Mark. Uh, our teammates appreciate you a lot when you started educating. It took about, you say about three months, would you say? I'd say, right? yes. By, by the end of about the three months, right? And it's a gradual gra- gradient, if I may say. It's, um, lots of repetition. It is. And, um, and then actually, that's what we've seen. The first month, the team is a little bit more quiet right? Maybe they're absorbing, okay, what we're trying to teach them. But what we've seen is the more we presented this, the more they started getting comfortable asking questions. And and I, so, want, I want to, and since I know you on a personal level, I want to be defensive on your behalf. And again, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not trying to embarrass you or say this just because I really, really like this guy, but you're a highly intelligent person. And if you disagree with me, I'll find a bunch of people who agree with me. So I, I think you getting maybe more at an advanced level, just keep in mind that's who you are. And that's just kind of your, that's, it's, it's instinctual for you. So I understand where you're coming from that maybe, maybe it was a little bit too, 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 too advanced. I completely uh, get that. Let me change. And it is, it is, it is, yeah, yeah. If I may add to that, it's a common mistake that I've seen in owners too. And, and basing it from my own experience, so I was able to, I've been able to convert a couple of coaching clients to convert. I guess that's not the right word, but, um, you know, letting them see that, hey, man, I mean, financial transparency is really one of the main things you should be adopting in your practice. And this is, why and these are things that you should avoid don't make the mistakes i made in the beginning and so uh that's been very helpful when you when you've had that prior experience so i want to change gears just ever so slightly we're talking financial transparency and you brought this up a couple of minutes ago you mentioned measures metrics whatever we want to call them sometimes in my world i call them VINs. I, I worked in major automotive for a number of years. So I love the word VIN. It, we're not talking identification number. Okay. All all, right. In my world, it also stands for very important numbers. It's, numbers. And, 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 and so it's hard to uh, attach religion to very important numbers, VINs, because it's either important or it's not. So you have a lot of important numbers. So you're not just sharing financials. You're putting a ton of focus, and and I just, I want to tell on you in front of your back. You may be one of the most advanced and gifted teachers of any business, and I work with some pretty cool businesses around the United States. You are crushing it on the non-financial numbers. So I'm going to let you take it from there. It's not a question. You're not just sharing financial data. You're sharing very important numbers, important data that makes a difference in your clinics. Yes. And we strongly believe in um, managing by statistics. And uh, it's been very helpful for us. There was a time when we didn't, and our practice didn't do very well back a long time ago. And when we adopted this philosophy of you know what, we need to manage by statistics and, and, and really show our teammates. So we've decided initially on what are the top three key metrics or however people call KPIs, metrics. 
uh, SaaS, OKRs, whatever it is, right? Um, so as a company, we have one super main metric. And then um, every leader has one main metric, but there are a lot of other sub-metrics under those that feed into the main metric. So um, we have been very comfortable in um, sharing those with our team and showing them how they can improve specific metrics, sub-metrics that lead to the main metric that leads to the main overall metric of the company. So people see the correlation, and, and I write a Monday update, uh, Mark. It is an incredible. And it's we're, Guys, we're talking, was it 18, 19 pages? And I have been told that sometimes it can get a little long. No, but the- it, don't shorten it. <laughs> Tell that person it's okay. Right. So uh, there in our Monday updates, we share the main metrics of each of our leaders and each of our teams. And and we play a, a game, a mini game around it. So we have a team building game around some of those metrics where we have three metrics that is part of our mini game right now that uh, each team could earn a free lunch if they hit their metric for one of those metrics for the week. So there, there was a time when um, all four teams hit all of their three main metrics for the week and each of the teams got three free lunches. So that's 12 free lunches for that week. They love those things. And and, and it's, we've converted into kind of like a game, essentially the greatest game of business, right? So all of these things um, help in the overall uh, health of the company. How do you determine what numbers to focus on. And again, you've already give, given part of the answer, but if you were just advising someone where to start, because some people may just want to say sales, as in sales dollars. And I mean, that's not bad, but what would you advise them as to how to go about picking their most important number? Like I said, you've got like 80 some numbers. We'll be right back. Hey you, yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. I think it starts from what is the main objective of the company for, let's say, the coming year, right? And it cascades from there. So what that main objective, by the way, or that main goal, your leadership team has to work on that together. And usually that happens around annual planning time. And we spend a couple of days doing that. Um, I don't mean we spend a couple of days of just finding out that that one objective. But uh, during our annual planning meeting, we decide what is our objective for next year? What's the number one thing? So there, there's a healthy discussion there. Once, once we find out and we all voted on it, and it's not always 
by the way, not everyone would completely agree, right? I mean, at the end of the day, one will rise to the top and everybody would say, we think that's it. And once we decide, okay, that's our main objective, all right, to get to our objective, we want to pick at least three key metrics that tell us that we've achieved the objective. And that could be, for some of you, that, that could be sales, that could be production, that could be, it could be anything really that you think amongst your leadership team are the three main things that feed into achieving that main objective. And then those three main metrics that you decide, all right, these are the three main metrics that we're going to grade ourselves if we've achieved the objective, there will be supporting metrics for those three. And then you decide what are the three main supporting metrics? What are the, the main leading measures that we need to use to feed through that metric? And, and it goes from there, all the way to the point where each individual teammate will have one key metric for the year that's related to one of those three key metrics that's related to the main objective. Hopefully that's not too vague, but um, that, that, that's, how we, that's how we decide which ones we need to focus on. I feel like I'm talking to someone who is a partner at Accenture or uh, McKinsey. Now, you know, you know why I use uh, Accenture, but uh, I, I have also have found that what is keeping you up at night? What is frustrating the heck out of you when that person begins to open up and spill everything that's frustrating them you're probably going to find the two or three you need to be really focusing on, and then the drivers. So I, I, I'm not trying to not trying to be super negative, but I think that's another attack too. But I cannot agree. I cannot agree more. Uh, and it almost always shows up. It fixes what, what is the main issue. One of those three key metrics almost always addresses one of those issues that come up. Yeah, cannot agree more. I, when I look at numbers, I look at what I call maintenance numbers, something and driving down the highway. I was just in uh, Overland Park, Kansas over the weekend, um, keeping an eye on the gas gauge. I mean, that's kind of like a maintenance number. Uh, if the red light goes on, we've got a red engine light. Hopefully the vehicle can still motor back home. But we got an issue, probably need to go check it out. So I kind of view numbers as there's maintenance maintenance numbers and there's improvement numbers. Regarding the world of transparency and those types of numbers, do you or can you delineate between maintenance numbers tracking and then what I call the improvement numbers tracking? Because I do want to maybe get into just a few minutes exploring the differences between the two maintenance versus improvement. That wasn't a very good question. Can you help me out there? Pick it up from there, sir. Yeah. I, and hopefully I'm, I'm right in, in, in thinking of what you are. I believe this is what you're asking. So there, there are some certain metrics that are what we call health metrics that you need to just keep maintaining. Right. For, for for the practice to, to to function properly, and then there are certain metrics where you really need to really put a little bit more effort behind it. So we use a lot of um, as and and Mark, you're you're a Tableau whiz. 
Well, and I, 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 I am I am half a half. I'm not even calling myself a, a tabloid at all. I pretend I am to be half of that. I'm a pretender. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, even though tabloid is not completely an XMR chart, it's, it's and and maybe for some people listening to this. Um, you could probably explain it better, definitely could explain it better than I do. But we use our tableau graph to see how we're maintaining if we are um, remaining in a band of performance around a certain average, right. right? And then there are certain metrics that may not be performing where it needs to be, where it's, it may be emitting some negative signals. And hopefully I'm not too vague here. But, no, you're doing but perfectly. As, as, and as you look at your graph and your dashboards and your 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 visualizations in Tableau, certain signals come up that are either positive or negative. Positive, that's good, right? That means we need to keep reinforcing what we did to get to, to get that positive signal. But when there's a negative signal and a consistent negative signal supported by three or four different powerful signals, that means we need to improve. We need to get on improvement mode. What's happening here? Why is it not moving? Or why is it trending in the wrong direction? Why is it giving this negative signal? And that's where, when we put effort behind, we determine, so by the way, all our leaders are trained on looking at signals. I, we, we have trained them to look at, at signals on a graph and they report on it every week to be proactive. Obviously, there are certain metrics where a weekly look at it or a daily look at it would be great, but there are certain metrics where maybe a monthly is more appropriate or quarterly. But they look for signals and if there is a signal that has been consistent, especially for a longer period of time, let's say it's been two quarters, three quarters, and it's performing and trending in the wrong direction and, and giving you this wrong signal or negative signal, I should say, we need to get on improvement mode. And when we start taking those steps to improve that particular activity or that process, we want to see that graph trend in the right direction and eventually produce or achieve a new plateau. And that's how we look at healthy signals Health metrics or health or ma- or maintenance maintenance metrics, essentially processes and activities within our practice that we know has been pretty consistent, predictable, that we need to keep maintaining it at that level, and we're happy at the level where it's at. Now there may be some health metrics, maybe that you'd like it at an even higher level. We can consider that an improvement metric, well, yes. because we we, we want to take it to the next level. Right. So hopefully that that, that was uh, pretty um, insightful there. That is an excellent example. Can I throw out two more since I know your business without giving yes, up? Sir. Uh, I thought of one and it's it, it, it has nothing to do with your practice, but take any healthcare facility uh, that performs healthcare services I cannot stand going to a doctor and sitting there in the waiting room for one hour. Now, when I go to my dentist, they know I hate going to the dentist. So I don't even get seated. Mark, you can come on in. Mark, you can come on. And I get mad at him. I was like, can you at least let me sit here for 15 minutes and worry and 
But in your practice, let's pretend like it takes 20 minutes to get in there and then finally get worked on. That could be an improvement project where you start tracking, but there then there comes a point to where, okay, we're getting people in and within five minutes of checking in. And then another example is I just got an email from Google. One of my Google reviews just passed a thousand views. I thought, oh, that's cool. So I, I wow. guess I guess people like Google reviews. Is that important to you? If that's so, yes, we have found that Google reviews have been really influential in and in really influencing potential patients. So, so that that's even uh, last year. That was uh, one of our mini games, actually. And so, and then this year, it's not even part of the mini game. But our teams continue to just 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 work on on getting more and more Google reviews. You're right about improving metric. You mentioned about waiting time. So one of the improvement metrics we worked on this was this was last year is what we call days to eval. So that metric is the amount of time or number of days from the time a patient was referred or maybe a patient called in to the date of their actual first appointment. And so we started measuring that. And when we first started measuring it, we were noticing that, oh, we're over seven days. And so that's an improvement metric right there. And uh, this past, um, yeah, this past week, actually, uh, I believe we reached just under five this past week. That's cool. We're rounded to five because we're measuring it in, in five days. We'd like that to be even shorter, okay? To be even shorter, if we can get them in within three days at at, at the at the latest, that would be even better. But it's one of those uh, you know improvement metrics that sometimes you don't even. So why did we want to improve that metric? And maybe some of you guys may be maybe wondering. It, go ahead. Yeah. And by the way, I've never asked this question, so I I don't know the answer. I'm guessing the longer the delay, there's the risk of that patient not becoming a patient? Is that the risk? That is correct. And so our eval arrival rate prior to us undertaking this improvement metric. So eval arrival, meaning patients who ended up on the schedule, right? And maybe some of them were like two weeks from the top, from, you know, they made their appointment two weeks ago, maybe some of them a week ago. Uh, when we started undertaking this initiative, we were noticing that when the days to eval was north of seven days, the arrival rates of those people were much lower than people who were seen under seven days. So that's why we love graphs and, and, and metrics, right? This is outstanding. And, and Arlen, this is what you're describing is applicable to any business, manufacturing, retail, e-commerce. I mean, you name it, what you've described is so applicable. A couple more questions on on financial transparency. Uh, you did mention, you'd said it in brief, in brief, in passing. Uh, do you have a reward system uh, with respect to financial transparency and other data transparency. 
We'll be right back. Are you interested in small businesses? My name is David C. Barnett, and I've been podcasting and producing YouTube videos about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses for almost 10 years. I'm a former business broker and have owned and operated several businesses, and I've been advising business owners since the 1990s. Each week, I create a new podcast which answers one of your questions, and I've always got amazing, exciting guests. You can find me on YouTube by going to smallbusinessanddealmakingpodcast.com or just search David Barnett's Small Business in any podcasting app to find me. I look forward to seeing you around. Yes, so um, we have a profit, an active profit um, sharing plan. Um, is that how you prefer to call it, Mark? Profit sharing. I have profit so many. Gain. I have so many names. Right. I, I yeah. I've, I've, I've profit gains plan, or right. I've heard you refer to it. But um, thanks to you, you were able to help us out with setting this up, because when we when we decided at that point we're gonna open and be transparent we're going to be open and transparent financial transparency our our entire uh, financial picture to the team it would just make sense to show them that hey we this would be a way to reward our team when we perform and so we created this profit sharing plan with your guidance and um it has been it is it has been a game changer for for our team. Does every team make profit share? No, right? But that's the way it is. It's, it's, it becomes a competition after a while, a healthy competition. One year, one 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 team beats another, and I would like to get to that point where all four teams actually make profit share. Um, we've gotten close, but. Here and there, we need, we need, I'd like, and that's an improvement metric right there, right? By the way, right? Uh, if, we, if we can help another team get there, because we'd like everyone to get there. And that's the beauty of it. So it is yes. so gratifying just to see people be able to share in, in with the, I just, I think it's, it's great. Um, in fact, uh, Mark, uh, I met, so this is what, um, we're, we're recording this. Should we date this? Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. I guess it's going to be dated, right? So this is mid-October. And so the third quarter just finished, right? And I met with a couple of my clinic uh, directors who um, qualified for the profit share through the third quarter. And they were like, their whole team, when I visited them, they were ecstatic. And Because um, they'd been behind as through quarter two. Through quarter two, they were a couple of percentage points below target. And then in quarter three, man, one, one, one team was five percentage points over and one was three percentage points over. And so, and it's not even over yet, too. So they, they got a portion of their share through the third quarter. Um, and, but we want to take it all the way to the finish line. And they're all excited about that. And just what uh, this, uh, the, the excitement and the happiness you see in the leaders of these teams when 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 they know that they made it, it, it is, and the whole team itself, like there's just a different energy. By the way, I remember that meeting. I really, I <laughs> you re- were there. I really, yeah, you were there. Uh, you were there. <laughs> I before I ask you about your favorite books, 
I want to end this discussion about financial transparency on a downer, on a negative point. Uh, one of my favorite authors, we had, a, we had on Dean Spitzer over a year ago. It's such an honor. Dean is probably one of the first people to write about performance measurement completely. I mean, he nailed it. It's a, it's a, it's a book I don't always recommend because it, you have to be, I mean, you have to be a big time business student. It's not a quick breezy read, but I loved every word. And he has a, a chapter about the dark side of numbers. Let's put a pin in that. Now I'm going to flip over to another book author. A few months ago, I interviewed my first fiction author. It's really cool. Guy has a great, great uh, vocabulary. He He's a great interview. He's been on all of the morning TV shows, the Today Show, the CBS Morning Show. He is outstanding to talk to. He wrote a book called, I think it's called The Cloud, and it's fictional, as I said. Every employee wore a watch. So they're in this warehouse distribution center. Think Amazon uh, distribution center. So everyone's wearing a watch, and there's a color indicator, green, yellow, red, if they're performing the way they should be. This one girl, the protagonist, yellow, yellow, yellow. So she's running really hard. I mean, so this is in real time. So there's that kind of maybe the potential of the dark side of metrics. So I may be leading the witness, but can there be a dark side of numbers? You know what? I believe there could be. I think, and I'm going to probably answer it more from a philosophical standpoint. And it's almost always it could be the leader who's using the numbers to, I don't want to say manipulate people or manipulate a teammate. And so to me, at the end of the day, and I, and I go back again to, to the core values where it, because teammates can sniff it out. They can sniff it out. If, if, if your intention is not where it needs to be and you're just pushing and pushing and just doing the numbers, it, you're not going to get what you're, you're wanting anyway, typically in that situation from what I've seen and what I've experienced through the years. Ultimately, it has to be clear, open, and honest intention behind the leaders showing the number. What is your intention in, in opening the numbers up? Is it to promote urgency? Is it for people to, to realize that they're bad or they're not doing what they need to be, right? It becomes negative when it's not used with the proper intent. In my eyes, that's my opinion. But the numbers, whether positive or negative, if the intention of the leader is to help that teammate or to help that team improve on it, if it's not where it needs to be, I don't think there is going to be any negative side to the numbers. But there would be a negative side to any numbers or metrics if the intent of the one using the numbers is leading a team is not where it needs to be. And I agree 100%. When you explain it that way, I have two 
different ideas about the dark side of numbers. And one of them kind of, I'm, I'm going to, let's call this a footnote to what you just said. I think when you have transparency, there needs to be truth. So again, I'm, I'm kind of repeating what you just said. I do like that framework. You talked about that in one of our, uh, one of our calls, Mark. So when you're telling the truth, as you're sharing transparency, it's like, these are the numbers we have to have in order for this to be a healthy business. So there is no manipulation, right? If you're, if we're telling the truth. So the right intent that, that is one comment about the dark side of numbers. Here is another dark side. The story that all of us who are in coaching or consulting, all of us probably went to the same school uh, that learned this Wells Fargo. So I always think of the two words, unintended consequences. So when you start pushing certain numbers to the exclusion of other important numbers, you could have unintended consequences. So the numbers always have to be looked at holistically, not just a few, because we saw what happened to Wells Fargo. And by the way, Dean Spitzer uh, brings up Wells Fargo uh, in his chapter on uh, the dark side of, of numbers. So I just thought before we stop talking about financial transparency, I thought it'd be healthy just to talk about uh, the dark side. Okay. By the way, this is, this is gold. I, I, this is excellent. Now, you know, I ask everybody either what they're reading, what their favorite books are, maybe what gift books they gift the most. So you can answer the question however you want. I'll just ask, what are some of your favorite books of all time or it can be in the past year? Okay. I like that. What are some of your favorite? So I'm not tied to just picking right. one. Right. That's good. That's, hey, that's good. impossible. It is impossible, right? But if I had to pick one and I turned that around and, and they gave me the pressure of coming up with one, um, I identified the most, and it it actually really resonated with me, Shoe Dog, because of the tribulations of of Bill Knight, right, as he went through building Nike. And that, that book is one of the most books I would give friends. It's just a great story. And a great story of perseverance. Let's do it. And um, I, 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 that book, I, I remember reading that book. Dan um, and I, my wife, was on vacation. And um, there was a portion of that book where I started getting a little emotional. And, and, and my wife was like, hey, what's going on? I said, oh, this book is just so good. <laughs> there, was, there was that portion where he lost you know, one of his, you know, kids, one of his, his sons, right? So it, it's it's almost like the complete story it is. Of, of, of being a human, right? And in this case, he happens to be a businessman, right? But when you think about it, you almost always think when you see this super successful people and you think, wow, I mean, it must have been pretty easy for them. And it is not. And that book is that 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 it is my my number one book. I also love 
I know you like him, um, the go giver. Yes. And so every every new teammate that we um, that we hire, uh, it's one of the books that we give them to read. Even it's something you can give to your kids. I, I love uh, I have my kids read that thing, and um, it, it's just uh, a really powerful book in my eyes. All right. And the context of a team, the five dysfunctions of a team. How, how can you go wrong with Patrick and Fiona, right? That's so. that's one of those books, including the last one you could or should reread annually. And in fact, the five dysfunctions, I just went through that pyramid just recently. And of course, I like to fill in my own words, my own stories for each part of that pyramid. And like I said, it's highly encouraged. If you haven't read it for a while, pick it up, reread it. Arlen, I had a fourth one. May I add yes, a fourth one? Please. Okay. It's, this book was probably written mainly as a tripwire, if I may say. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. It, it was, you know, it was written by a, uh, I think, a financial management or wealth management company. Okay. And it's one of those things where you read books where, you know, it, it's essentially a tripwire for them to pitch their services, right? Well, this book, I was, I was, Waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's a short, super short book. In fact, on Audible, it's probably an hour and a half, if that. Okay, maybe a couple hours. Okay, it's called Wink and Grow Rich. Wink and Grow Rich. Okay. If you listen to every time I've listened to that thing at least ten times, and every time you listen to it, you'll get something different and something new. Wink and Grow Rich. I never heard and of it. I know, because it is not one of those, I, I, I don't know where I came across that book, but every person that I have given that book to, is such a profound book. It is very profound for such a short book, very profound. And so I, I would, yeah, encourage your, your, your listeners to, to get Wink and Grow Rich. You know I like The Great Game of Business. I read it in 1993. <laughs> And there is a story behind it. Uh, the joke is that the president of the Orsland Farm and Home, uh, uh, president of Orsland Farm and Home retailer, farm store, uh, and by the way, it is a kind of a big name because Tractor Supply just bought them out and it just got approved by either the Department of Justice or FTC, whoever does those approvals. Uh, I used to be a corporate controller for them. But I remember Dennis Carson's giving me the book and I read it in like two evenings and I'm thinking, dude, of course I would have never said dude to him, but I can 30 plus years later. It's like, I think he should have read this book, but I just love that book. And it meant a lot to me. I don't like the term OBM, open book management. I hate that term. I like words that describe it instead. And that's one of the words is financial transparency and I could not think of a better person. You're the best person that I can talk to about financial transparency. We could have talked for two or three hours, but this has been great. For anyone thinking about this, there's enough information to at least get started, my opinion. I owe you. Thank you very much, Arlen, for being on CFO. Pleasure. It's mine, Mark. Always a pleasure. You are listening to 
CFO Bookshelf. Lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now, back to our host, Mark Gandy. Dr. Arlen Aburo, by the way, and I should say orthopedic balance and therapy based in Valparaiso, Indiana, rural Indiana, even though it's, I guess, is it rural or it is a suburb of the greater Chicago area, but a beautiful part of the Midwest. And I was thinking about providing, suggesting three to four ideas to get started with financial transparency. I'm thinking, you know, wait a minute, just reach out to Arlen on LinkedIn and Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, but the last name spelling is A-L-B-U-R-O. And if you want to connect to him, I guarantee you, he will respond, he will follow up, and he'll ask, when do you want to talk? When do you want to chat? That's just the way he is. I do have a book idea for you. Uh, You heard us talk about The Great Game of Business. I actually like the book Maverick as well, if not even better. It's by Ricardo Similar. It's an older book. It's, it's, I think it's 30-ish uh, years old, but the the concepts, the principles, uh, they are timeless. Uh, this is a book that will have a very, very long shelf life. Again, I could talk about this topic for hours, but we need to call this a wrap. Guys, I'm Mark Gandy. Keep learning, keep growing, keep making a difference. This is CFO Bookshelf. Thank you.